So today on the Republic of Work podcast, we have somebody who had to travel a long, long way to get to us today. Stephen McCann, Chief Financial Officer and General Partner of SOSV. And coincidentally, I'd say if we cut a hole in the floor, we're probably your desk is probably directly under us here. Yes. Um, welcome to the show, Stephen. Um, like Stephen, I mean, where where do you where do you start in describing SOSV? I mean, you know, a lot of Irish people will will be thinking, sure, it is the investment arm of that curly haired fellow who was on Dragons Den years ago. Um, which I suppose in Irish terms is always a great way to start. But I mean, you might you might give us a, a quick overview of like today as we sit, like SOE, SOSV and your, your, your where you sit globally. Like. OK, thanks, DC. Um, SOSV is a full stack investor. Um, unfortunately, we haven't a, a huge profile in Ireland. Um, we're bigger internationally. We're investing in 150 startups a year primarily at the accelerator stage across our, our multiple accelerators globally. Um, we no longer have an accelerator in Ireland. We previously had Rebel Bio in Cork, uh, which moved to London. Um, but we have a number of different accelerators. You'll see them on our website, mm. sosv.com. We're investing 50 to $60 million a year. We have four active funds currently. Um, we're managing about $800 million, and we're just about to invest into our 1,000 startup. Um, we have 150 staff globally and most of our operations are run here out of Cork. Uh, our legal, financial, we have 20 staff here in the Republic of Work, one of your first tenants uh, yep, uh, over two years ago. Uh, very happy here. And we, um, in terms of our size, like we've evolved. Uh, I joined the firm in 2012. At the time, we had about 15 staff. We probably had about 20 investments we had just started Hacks, which is our hardware accelerator in Shenzhen. And now we have over 150 staff. Uh, we're on our fourth active fund. We have three unicorn billion dollar companies in, in our uh, portfolio. And um, we're scaling and continuing to scale. Uh, we're looking for startups all the time. Uh, we can write checks up to three, four million dollars in any one funding round. Um, and we do so. Uh, we invest at the accelerator stage across the verticals we follow on into the companies we think are going to be the most successful uh, and then we really just try and keep our seat at the table in the in the later stages as best we can yeah. I mean it is it, it's remarkable actually how like the growth that, that, that you've seen I suppose I mean you know as a as a, a kind of a Cork founded company you know I'd have always been very aware of you and very aware of what was going on and like definitely in the last three or four years you know it, it's it's the the profile that you see now you know now you know you walk down the street in California or you walk down the street in in uh, in China in particular you know you are you're right up there in terms of the you know when people talk about you know the top five the top ten um you know your name comes up all the time you know and I, I think you know a lot of people maybe might have missed that that ferocious growth, you know, period that you've that you've gone through. Because I mean, obviously, the other thing that that I've noticed about you is, you know, you've um, you've had you know you've had you know you you have this great tendency to invest incredibly early in stuff. Um, but over the last couple of years too, you've had a couple of those actually mature. And you know, I know you've had a couple of kind of high profile, you know, TechCrunch mentioned exits and stuff like that. You know, and. It's always great to see them where, you know, you, you hear the news of the day is this company have exited and then you're you're looking in the middle of it and you're going, oh, the lads were in that. 
Yeah, we we had an exit um, two weeks ago. Yeah. One of the indie bio companies, uh, Jungler, was yeah. bought by a public company in the US in VCA, um, $65 million. Uh-huh. Uh, that company was in one of our early batches of indie bio. It's only, you know, two and a half years old. Um, Bitmex, who mm. came through China Accelerator in, in 2015, um, they're the largest Bitcoin trading platform in the world. Uh, you know, one of a very successful company. Uh, in terms of Ireland, there's company Alien in Dublin. They were in our very, very first accelerator back in 2010 in, in Dalian in China. Um, they subsequently moved to Ireland uh, under the entrepreneur visa. Uh, they've raised funding with Atlantic Bridge. Uh, you know, they're mm-hmm. up to 30 employees. They're beginning to grow. Uh, there's a number of companies we've had in Ireland that have exited. Storyful, Mark mm-hmm. Little's company, yeah. uh, sold a couple of years ago. We were the largest investor in that company. Uh, Mapflow was one of Sean O'Sullivan's first investments in Ireland, sold a number of years ago for very successful exit for us. At, like We started the accelerators in 2010. There were six companies in the first batch of China Accelerator, which software accelerator, essentially. Following year, there was 10. And in 2012, uh, hacks began. There was only six companies in the first batch. You know, it's it's been slowly maturing and those companies are beginning to get to a scale um, that we have to raise significant funding to continue to fund. Yeah. Um, in 2018, our, our startup raised over $800 million from people that weren't us. So there is a lot of startups raising a lot of funding and really beginning to mature into wonderful companies um, all around the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Ireland, we have a relatively small footprint. Uh, but in, as you said, in China and in San Francisco and in New York, you know, we're, we're making a big impact. You absolutely are. I mean, I, I was lucky enough last year to, to go out to China and I got to visit the two operations there, China Accelerator and Hacks. And like, I mean, I must have been like, so China Accelerator really impressed me, you know, because it was just that, like, you walked in and it was just this hive of activity. Like, there wasn't a... There wasn't a square foot of the space that there wasn't some startup working in. And then, you know, you think, God, oh, that's that's impressive. And then the following day, we got in the plane and we hopped down to Shenzhen. And, you know, like Hacks is Hacks is probably the, one of the best examples you can see of of a real accelerator program in action, you know, where you're kind of co-locating, you know, almost office space with, with you know, in the case of the fact that it's totally focused on, on kind of hardware, you know, you're you're co-locating offices with um, you know production facilities and and kind of labs for people to play around with, and then you know it just so happens you know the current facility is you know in a building that's you know one of the largest electronics parts markets in the world. So when they're short a screw, you know they don't have to go far. Just like. go downstairs. <laughs> um, I think the main advantage, like Hacks, uh, is moving to a new office, yeah. which is double the size. Yeah. Um, at the moment, there's about four or five hundred people in the Hack space at any one time, and the biggest advantage of the space is the um, co-mentorship. So Hacks, for people who don't know, is a hardware accelerator, uh, the best hardware accelerator in the world. Um, companies get $275,000 and it's a year-long program. You spend nine months in Shenzhen, so you go with your prototype and they make it into a product. And then you spend three months at the end in our office in San Francisco, fundraising and building sales and distribution channels. The the biggest advantage of being in the space is that there is companies at multiple different stages. 
So you're on the beginning of your journey with your prototype. You're working. We have 40 staff in, in the Hacks office. You're working with our designers, with our engineers, with our um, product people who are all making your product better, cheaper, more attractive, helping you with marketing videos, helping you with anything. And you're also getting the advantage of sitting next to somebody who's at a more, much later stage than you. And everyone in the SOSV portfolio, all thousand startups, can access any of our spaces across the world. So you can go to Shanghai, Shenzhen, Taipei, New York, San Francisco or Cork and, you, and London. And you can use the space for a short period if you're in town for something. So people... Um, in the hacks portfolio, come back if they're doing production runs or they're meeting suppliers and they spend a period in the office. And part of the deal is that you help startups that are beginning the journey. So whether that's introduction to investors, whether that's going, wait a second, don't stick that screw there. I did that and I made a mess of it. Set me back six months. So and even because we invest so early, we obviously have a high failure rate. So there's we project that 50 to 60 percent of our startups are going to return zero. So a lot of the people who are in these startups get recycled in the community. And that's the big advantage of having so many startups is that there's such a a collaboration across them and a willingness to help each other. And it enables because there's only 150 of us. We Mm. can't, you know, we can't be hands on with everyone, but they can all help each other in such a way. And they do, which really enables them to go faster, quicker which is great. And Hacks is the prime example of that. If you go to the space like you've been in, you, mm. it's just a hub of activity. And it's desk after desk and workshop and all these people working on hardware products. And it's just a really cool space because there's robots and there's drones it, and there's it, all it, sorts. Of, it's it, like going into the future. I remember actually before I went over there, I remember having a conversation with you about it and I was like, what's it like? And you were kind of saying, well, the only thing is every now and again, look around to make sure you don't have to duck, you know, because yeah. it is like that. I mean, you know, in, in some cases, you know, it's like something out of the movies where you're walking down a corridor and like a kind of a robot passes you in the corridor, you know, or and then like when you go and you look at, you know, when you go down to the, the labs part of it, like, and, you know, there's these like science fiction laser cutting tools and water jet cutting machines yeah, and all yeah. this. And you can see the teams where, you know, they're sitting down and they're having a conversation and like they're going, you know, if we did it that way, it'd be better. And instead of waiting six months they literally all get up and they go downstairs to one of the cutting machines and they knock out a or 3D print a prototype or whatever. And I mean, it must, as you said, like it must, like just the rat, like two or three weeks over there must be the equivalent of three or four months in the terms thing of production. Is, if you're doing hardware, you've got to go there. Yeah. Um, you know, outsourcing it to somebody else is all well and good, but that's going to take you so much longer. You've got to go to the space and... You know, it's in an electronic centre. If you do need parts, you can go downstairs. If you need to meet a supplier, there's somebody in the office has a relationship with the supplier. Somebody can introduce you. There's, it's a well-trodden path. There's yeah. hundreds and hundreds. Of, I think there's been over 250 startups go through hacks. So, you know, people have gone down that road and they can guide you in the right way. And they can also help you that, you know, OK, this is this. Um, these are corporates you should talk to. These are investors you should talk to. Here's you know, talent that you can access. It's it's really cool space. And actually, we have um, one of Sean's old Dragon Dane investments, Noel Joyce, is working out oh, there. Oh, yeah, I've met Noel, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Noel spoke at Inspirefest recently. Um, yeah. And Noel is, is one of our engineers in Hacks. And yeah. it's, like, Hacks is a really cool space. And for people who've never been to China, it's very hard to explain the scale of China. I, I was there last week, and it's enormous. 
and yeah. it's such a, a huge market and huge amount of people and economic activity. It's and it's so different to here. Like I was there last week, and you can't pay for anything with your credit card. No, no, no. QR we pay or not everything. Like, yeah. yeah, and and trying to. And that's what China Accelerator does, I guess, is it takes Western products and it makes them Chinese and it enables them to get on the China market. They have their own internet, they have their own way of doing everything. And even they're, in terms of technology, they're, you know, streets ahead of us in many ways. And, and you have to go there and see it and you yeah. have to spend time in the hardware places and, and you'll just get there much quicker. It is. It's it's like I remember going over there and, and the very first meeting I was at was in you know, oh, we're going out to such a business park. And I'm thinking of business parks here in Ireland. Yeah. And, you know, we sat down for the presentation by the business park and it was like, and, you know, on a daily basis, we have 340,000 people working in the business park. And I'm thinking, OK, so like this business park is like twice the size of Cork, you know, but but like it is like one of the I mean, you can see the advantage of like you do have those people who kind of, you know, the obsession, of course, from hardware world is, oh, yeah, you know, come up with the idea in the West and, like, go to China and get it built. But, like, you know, there's no golden pages in China. Like, where, where most of these companies fall down is, like, like without knowing, without having, you know, a network like something like Hacks or some other, other group provide, you know, you could spend months... But doing it remotely yeah. is going to put you at such a disadvantage. And... Yeah. Doing it remotely is going to cost you more money. It's going to take longer. And things, a lot of things in China are built on relationships. Mm. So going and establishing a relationship is going to enable you to get there much quicker. And, and it'll also enable you to learn mm. in that, you know, producers and suppliers will actually be able to talk you through. They've done it thousands, millions of times. And mm. I, I laugh. We had um, a meeting here in Cork recently and a lot of our team came from China and they were asking me how many people live in Cork. And I was saying, oh, about a half a million. And they were like, well, I think we've that many in our apartment block. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's just a huge country and yeah. even it's a huge market and there's huge raw materials. It's great. Yeah. You know, it's it's a wonderful place yeah. of, full of opportunity. And that isn't that the big difference. The big difference is there's still there's still you know, I mean the, the the old school thing like oh, you know, design a product in Ireland, get it built in China, sell it in America. And like you're you know, one the, the day you spend 24 hours in China, you realize that like why, why, why go and sell it in America at all? Like, I mean, you now have this this ferocious Chinese obsession with, you know, great products, great hardware and everything, you know. So, you know, there's just such potential to grant, like go build in China, but also go sell there. Like, and, and Well, the, the economic classes are changing in China. Mm-hmm. It's obviously getting a lot wealthier and we've we're doing a lot more in China. Um, we we've been granted the first international license uh, for a fund in a place called Sanya, which is in the Hanyang district um, near low Hong Kong type. Yeah. Of, and we see there is a lot. Is of, that the what it, the Greater Bay Area or something? It's kind of, of like a tourism yeah. place. Um, but we we did a big conference there last year. We had a kind of skydive annual conference um, where all our startups and staff meet. And we've got a license there. We're doing a joint venture with a Chinese fund next year. Um, we have a pre-accelerator program in Xi'an where the terracotta warriors are. Mm. Like We have a lot of activities in China. A lot of our good startups are Chinese. Um, Make Block, Yiling, these have all come from Chinese tech colleges and they've come to our accelerators. And uh, Make Block, for example, uh, they were in hacks in 2012. 
I remember spending time in the Shenzhen office with Jason, the founder. Uh, he's in his mid-twenties, you know, on his own. Spent time in our San Francisco office when he was there uh, trying to get his sales channel going. He got into the Apple store. Like, at the moment, they've nearly 500 staff. Their turnover is enormous. You know, it's it's an evolution and, and we're more Chinese startups come to us yeah. that are that quality, the better. You yeah. know, the more Irish startups that will, will travel to China, the better. The better. Uh, like we've had Food Marble or based in Dublin, went through hacks. They raised funding in, in the UK. They're subsequently raising funding here in Ireland. You know, they're doing very well. They came out of hacks. We really haven't had enough Irish, well, yeah. as a proud Irishman, I, I want more Irish startups yeah. <laughs> to come to. We've had a few on Foodex, uh, you know, not as many as they'd like. Mm-hmm. And there's been a few on Rebel Bio. Because uh, that's something actually to get into. I mean, we've, we've talked there now for the last 10 minutes about hardware. But I mean, you know, you're not you're not a, you're not a hardware VC as such. Like, I mean, when you talk about, you know, you always see the in the SOS logo, the accelerator VC. And I mean, that's the way I always think about you, that, you know, you have a kind of an unusual process in that probably the majority of startups that you've invested in have gone through one of your programs. Like, have you done? I mean, you know, you probably have edge cases where you've 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 invested maybe in stuff that that doesn't go through. But I mean, it is one of your big advantages, isn't it, that you you get in very early and you can, you know, you can make, you know, you can make good investment judgments because you've, you know, you work very closely with, with your startups at that early, early level. Like, Well, we we invest in verticals that we think are going to be the most important things in the world. Hmm. So we think uh, life sciences is going to be huge. And, and part of that is the future of food, which we see is getting so uh, important uh, around the world and, and Impossible Burgers and Beyond Meat hmm. and all these companies are, are really becoming very successful. We, we've had a lot, number of startups in that vein, like Memphis Meats, Endless West, New Age Foods. Um, you know, they're, they're all coming through our life science program in Bio in, in San Francisco, and we had Perfect Day, who were here in Cork, um, and they've just launched their ice cream in San Francisco. And, you know, th- th- these uh, that life science vertical is is going to be huge, and and it's you know, I think people will potentially live forever. Uh, and and there's startups who are working on technologies in that program that are are going to enable some of that. They're solving some of the biggest problems in the world, and they're creating huge opportunities for mankind. That's great. Mm. Hardware, huge sector. A lot of medical devices. A lot of um, uh, technologies that are going to make people's lives easier. We did a partnership with Centrica this year, which is around kind of older living and, and again, mobility and, and different things that are going to make people's lives better. Uh, like Sean O'Sullivan, our managing partner, is is a huge believer in in, in doing well by doing good. Uh, and, and that's a big mandate we have, that we invest in startups that are going to make the world a better place. And, and both of those accelerators are doing that. And Rebel Bio in London is another life science program that's doing very well and, and has um, the same mandate. Uh, in Shanghai, we've China Accelerator, which is a slightly later stage. It's taking companies that have sales and already have a product, but who want to break into the Chinese market. Uh, and essentially, it's making your product Chinese. And then we have a couple of smaller accelerators like Mox and Taipei, uh, which is a partnership with a, a telco. And, and there's a big focus on that, on Bitcoin and on financial independence for 
Um, a lot of startups in India and Indonesia and, and people, it's enabling them to be able to bank on their phone, essentially. Uh, and then we have Foodex in New York, uh, which is a food program. And we have a blockchain accelerator, which is a partnership with Emergo in New York uh, called D-Lab. Um, I think they're all our main accelerators. So Axe, IndieBio, Max, Bio, Foodex, China Accelerator, yeah, that's D-Lab. It. That's it for now, I know. Uh, so that's, I think that's it for, <laughs> fashion, for the time no, being. Fashion, uh, you haven't gotten down to that yet? Ben? No, not yet. <laughs> uh, there has been some fashion on, yeah. on Hacks and, and China Accelerator. But again, like these are the verticals we think are going to really matter. Food is obviously yeah. very important. Life science is very important. Um, the China is, mm. is huge. And hardware is is very important. And we're investing in 150 startups in these verticals. Uh, um, We think by specialising in them, we can get better at them. And we are. And a lot of the the startups are beginning to cross-pollinate and they're creating, like you've been to San Francisco and Hacks and you see it's a little hub, a hardware hub or, you know, startup factory, essentially. There's really successful companies coming out and they're trotting a path that's already been done successfully and they're just following yeah. in other people's footsteps. I mean, especially especially you would imagine, like in, you know, if you take those two kind of key verticals, hardware and life sciences, I mean, the, the, whatever about, you know, putting a bunch of startups in Republic of Work or something like that and having them feed off each other. I mean, you can imagine in, you know, in hardware, somebody discovers a, a better way to do battery life or in hacks or in, you know, indie bio, somebody discovers a, a kind of a <laughs> quick and easy you know, scientific technique scientific or, technique or yeah. something like that. Well, I mean, they happens. could be game changing for the companies. Like, Well, like that's why we specialize in verticals and that's why people have to come to our yeah. accelerators. Like the, the Indie Bio in San Francisco, there's a lab. Like we have a full lab in our office and, and startups work in the lab. We have uh, two scientists on our staff in San Francisco alone who will work with the startup. In London, we're in Imperial College. Again, there's a lab. Uh, we've uh, John Carrigan and, and Susanna, uh, to, again, two scientists who will work with you on, on your science. Um, and you spend three months in there and it's, you know, Bill calls it a cauldron. Mm. Uh, it, it's about getting you, getting your product done and getting you investor ready. Like having a lot of startups who, who aren't in the similar vertical, there is going to be crossover around fundraising and around putting in proper controls and in, you know, being a business person, but in terms of actually specialising in a vertical, having lots of scientists together, or lots of engineers together working on similar types of products is really going to help them go faster, for, go further faster. Yeah. And that's what happens. Uh, and it, like, and having people who've done it already there in the same space is, you know, they can tell you, oh, wait a sec. I made a mess of that. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, or don't go there. Go to this person. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's how the zombie apocalypse starts if yeah, you combine exactly. that and that. Like. Well, that set me back six months. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's a cross-pollination across the portfolio because there's lots of things they have in common. But having the specialised verticals really helps them and, and having them working side by side on similar types of challenges gets them there a lot quicker. Yeah. And and that's why we have, the, it's not a kind of a, you come in once a Friday for a pitch, you yeah. actually spend, for hacks, you're spending a year with hacks. Yeah. Uh, nine months in Shenzhen, three months in San Francisco. For Indie Bio, you're spending three or four months in San Francisco. For Rebel Bio, you're spending four months in London. Yeah. And you're going to work on different stages of your business and you're going to work on the science. 
There's going to be investor days. There's going to be things that are going to enable you to get there quicker, but it's intense. And you've got to be able to commit to actually getting up, leaving your comfort zone and going somewhere new for a long period of time. And you're going to work full time on your business for four months or for hacks up to a year. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's a big challenge, uh, but being a startup is a big challenge. It is. And actually that, that kind of leads me nicely into, into kind of where, where I want to go next, which is, you know, Irish companies and, you know, fundraising, you know, what pays the bills. I suppose one of the, one of the first things, I, I had a great conversation the other day with somebody about it is, you know, we we live in we live in a world now where you know through a variety of formats you know entrepreneurship is now sexy you know um, and you know even even the act of God did we ever think we'd see the day where the act of fundraising would be you know primetime TV in America through things like Shark Tank and you know one of the BBC's highest rated shows you know Dragons Den like I don't think any any serious investors ever thought that you know this would be interesting to anyone but i mean one of the challenges of it then is that it has very much it it's you know it, it's created this this kind of armchair culture where you know just because we watch a lot of soccer doesn't make us ronaldo you know i think there's a there's a challenge there in that while it's very entertaining tv all this stuff doesn't doesn't represent much of what the actual business funding process looks like for businesses. Well, startup is bloody hard. Yeah. Like I've seen a number of uh, entrepreneurs become much richer than I will ever become. Multi, mm. uh, multi-millionaires out of building a successful startup and exiting it. I've also seen many, many more people pour their life and soul into a business and lose it mm. and lose everything. And you know, raise money from their friends, their family, and lose all that money. It's running a startup is exceptionally difficult. It's a big challenge. And if you're going to do it, you're going to have to commit to it. And that's, you know, you're working all the hours God gave. You're traveling to where you need to go. I I did a, a exercise actually recently in recent weeks and did a, a, a blog post on this We'd 100 startups raise seed funding last year. And I did an analysis across the different geographies. And Ireland was was one of the most difficult places to raise seed funding. Uh, you know, there isn't a lot of uh, seed funding available, like Enterprise Ireland are here. And to their credit, um, if you ever look at Pitchbook or any of them, Enterprise Ireland are one of the top four or five investors in the whole of the EU in, by the number of startups they're investing into. So they're very, very active and very supportive but there isn't a whole pile of support with them. Atlantic Bridge of a university fund. Um, we do a bit of investing at, at, at seed stage through our Ireland fund. But there's some of the H-bands, again, they're funded through Enterprise Ireland. There isn't a whole pile no. of, of seed funding available. And then the, the natural result of that is that some of the terms aren't great. Um, I saw a startup recently raised half a million uh, euros and in year one, I think they had to give about 81 grand back to the investor in fees. And it was like 45,000 a year thereafter. I mean, that's not giving the startup much of a chance no. of success. And and if you're a startup in Ireland and you're looking to raise money, you know, you're going to have to look internationally. Uh, look where their funding is available about 60% of our startups either are or become U.S. corporations because the access to funding is a lot easier. 
China has risen a lot. Valuations have risen. Terms have gotten more generous. There's a lot more capital in the Chinese market. Um, same in the US. The US has always led the way, San Francisco especially. Terms are easy to understand. Um, if you look at our website, and, and we were talking earlier about mm. the VC lingo, if you look at Sean O'Sullivan's uh, Twitter, there's a lot of uh, explaining the terms. Like it's, 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 I guess, a lot more off a in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, when you look on Quora, there's a lot more conversations around it, while here in Ireland, people seem to be a little less educated around the investment terms uh, and rely a bit more on their lawyers and, and uh, yeah, for, for guidance. So. Uh, and like, I, I work with this stuff every day. You get a big pile of documents, which can look very daunting, but it's the same thing over and over. And there's not that many terms. And unfortunately, a lot of time people take suboptimal deals because it's the only deal on offer. Um, but if you can look at like the UK, um, I don't know what's going to happen with Brexit, but the UK government has been pumping a lot of money into seed stage investing, offering a lot of tax incentives through the SEIS and EIS schemes that they have. And we used to run Rebel Bio here in Cork. Our last batch in Cork, we had 15 startups. None of them raised funding. Um, we moved the accelerator to London. And in the first batch, they had 10 startups and seven of them raised a seed funding round yeah. in London. So it's a different environment. Um, you know, we're in a sector which are a stage which isn't hugely popular in Ireland. But then, you know, if you're starting a business, where are you going to get your capital to get to the Series A stage yeah, or like the next there's, stage? Yeah, there's it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting scenario really, isn't it? Because you always get that impression. I mean, we were talking at an event in Dublin last week about, you know, traditional business, traditional SMEs versus, I guess, this this term that Harvard Business School have come up with. IDEs, innovation-driven enterprises, you know, money, like businesses that require an investment of capital at the start. Do you know what I mean? So they're, they're, they need capital at the start. They're loss-making at the start. But that's what drives innovation and that's what creates the value in it. And what you have in, in, in Ireland, in, I mean, you know, I suppose you don't, you know, a lot of the a lot of the funds in Ireland, you know, you look at the, you look at, say, where their money is coming from. I think, you know, a lot of people might might think that you know, you know uh, that that SOSV is made up of you know ten or twelve very rich guys who put money into a pot and you know are are doling it out you know like the the princes of old. But obviously, like you know the a venture fund kind of sits as a as a distributor of money that they've gone out and and raised from you know. We have our own investors. Yeah. like I I went fundraising with us. We actually have a number of Irish. Mm. Um, LPs, they call it, limited yeah. partners, because we set up a fund and a partnership. Um, like We have to answer to them. We yeah. have a fund life. Yeah. Uh, our, our fund is a 10-year fund. SOSV4 is our current fund. Yeah. It's a $250 million fund. Uh, we, we're, um, we have uh, nearly 100, over 100 investors in it from all over the world. Yeah. We, we have to answer to them every quarter, uh, every year at our AGM. Um, they, they've come from a completely diverse set of, of backgrounds. You know, there's a number of corporates in there. There's um, the large financial institution in Ireland. There's a number of high net worth individuals. There's family offices. There's a lot of um, impact investors because of our mandate. Uh, yeah. and we strongly align with a number of them. 
like we have to answer to them. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, when when I talk to startups that are fundraising and, and I say, look, it's very hard. I, I know because I tried to, <laughs> look, I, I went to. You're, you're doing it with a couple of zeros yeah, on the end well, of it. Well, I went to lots of meetings where people told me, look, yeah, sorry, we're not interested. Uh, and, and I have to get up and shake their hand and say, you know, thanks very much. While I want to say, uh, you know, go to hell. Get um, bent but, like but, you know, but like it, it's. It's a process. And for any startup doing it, it is a process. And it's just a series of small steps. And you're constantly fundraising, essentially, yeah. uh, even if you're not. So you're you're building credibility. You're you know telling people about your next key objectives, what it is you're working on and how you're going to do it. And then when you go back to these people again and you say, yeah, OK, well, you know, those things I told you I was going to do, I did them all. And you're just building credibility in small steps, which opens the door to funding opportunities. And it's it's like the thing that kills me the most about startups that we invest in. They have amazing ability. And as you say, like we have a 60 percent failure rate. So we need the successful ones to yep. be very successful. Um, and all of the startups have, you know, they're doing they're, they're going after big markets they've um, something new they have demand and, and lots of them die through very simple mm. mistakes and, and that's really the the biggest disappointment for me with a lot, number of our high potential startups is that they just don't structure themselves properly they don't fundraise at the right time they don't you know get a handle on their financials yeah. they focus on the wrong thing they just misalign founders at, at formation yeah. and, and the company falls apart and these are such simple things well I guess I'm an accountant so yeah. I, I look at things <laughs> very logically yeah. while you know some of these people are looking at things more strategically or are looking at the opportunities while I'm probably looking at what can go wrong here yeah. um, but these are things that are, are very easy to learn and very easy to to put yourself into and that's one of the advantages yeah. of going on an accelerator I, I, is that they set your foundations properly exactly which enables you to grow your business in the proper manner now mm. you I've seen lots of startups where companies have done some you know had amazing products and something goes wrong or you know they lose credibility yeah. uh, because they don't deliver on their promises or they just don't send in updates to their investors or they break promises or the founder team falls out or whatever it is something silly yeah. uh, and and it it ends up changing the whole perspective of their company they either yeah. die they have something like a down round with a lower valuation and, and they lose a lot of control. I've seen lots of CEOs get fired from their own companies that they spent seven or eight years working on and, and losing everything. And and it's just through simple little disciplines that you can, yeah. when you start the company, you know, you don't have that many transactions. You can set up simple little spreadsheets, get used to talking about your company get used to setting, you know, little short term smart objectives and being able to communicate about your success to people that you meet and even in, in internally with your team and then to potential investors externally, because if you do raise funding, you're probably going to have somebody new sitting at your board that you're going to have to answer to. And you'll have to get up every month and talk to them about where you're going to your business and they're going to ask the difficult questions. And if you say, well, you know, I, that's not for me. I'm a scientist or I'm an engineer. Yeah. Well, then, you know, maybe doing a startup isn't for you. Um, like we see a lot of startups who, who are people who have been, especially in things like life science, people who have been affected by a disease or by some life changing event that made them want to solve that problem. And they have attacked it with a huge passion. And, and they have obviously a lot of talent for the science uh, and, and, you know, 
doing the accounting is the easy bit. Yeah. Uh, and and just being able to learn it because you've got to learn it yeah. at the earliest stage and you've got to and I meet lots of people who say, Yeah, I have an accountant for that. I don't even want to know about yeah. it, you know, oh God, I couldn't even look at it. And inevitably they're the people who fail. Yeah. Um, because they don't understand their own business and they don't understand how a business works. Yeah. It's um it's funny because I remember like I remember my first big a big experience of, of venture finance was was when I worked with, with Pat Phelan and Trustif and like we raised a a three point two million dollar seed round in our first year, which was like it was batshit at the time. It was like one of the largest seed rounds in European history at the time. But I always remember, you know, it was from uh, there was an, an Irish investor act uh, in, in it, Enterprise Ireland were in it. And then there was a couple of London Notion Capital and Mangrove, I think, in London. And then there was a New York investor in it. But I mean, I always remember actually like thinking, Jesus, now there's fucking five or six investors here that need to be juggled, you know, on top of some angels who would put in early money and stuff. But I always remember like religiously every Friday morning, 11 o'clock, you know, Pat just just got an email and he sent he sent an email to the investors and it was kind of like good, bad and ugly news of the week. You know what I mean? And like what I realized very quickly was like after after three or four months of sending the, the email every week, you know, some of the investors were coming back and saying, Pat, Jesus, that's great. Like, but look, come here, just just once a month will do us, you know, mm-hmm. because I realized then very quickly that, you know, once the investors felt that there was a two way, a very open, very transparent two way channel of communication that like if something was going wrong, you know, Pat was going to come and tell them like that was the relationship they wanted, whereas, you know. We were one investment. There was probably 20 other investments in their portfolio where, you know, they weren't even answering the phone to them. So, I mean, you know, it's it's actually quite easy to develop that relationship. Like, I know I know there's another couple of startups where, you know, they're not like I, I, I just know them. They're, they're people that I'd have met over the years and given a bit of advice to I would have no investment in them or anything. But they'd still every month like they'd still send me, you know, they have a kind of a general update email they send out every month and you know at the start they were sending it out and it's like you know revenue booked this month zero you know progress made this month zero you know but like but there'd be some bit of good news in it and now you know 24 months on you know it's revenue booked this month you know another quarter of a million and it's but it, but you can see where you know somebody said to them lads the discipline is this do you know what I mean by this date every month make sure you've You've got, like, even if you do have an outside accountant, like, make sure you get your numbers, make sure you understand them, make sure you you understand the impact of them, you know? If you do have an external accountant, you still have to understand your own numbers. Yeah. And if that means you sit down with your accountant until you understand them, I think that's vital. Because yeah. if you don't understand what's driving your business, what's generating your revenue, what's costing you money, you're, you're going to fail. Yeah. Uh, and that's really just a it, fact. It, it, it is. I um, mean, it's one of the, like, one of the things here... That drove us mad for, for ages when we started Republic of Work was like, I mean, look, we were always on top of our numbers to a degree, right? But like the, the, the changeover moment for us was when we realized that usually it was two to three months after somebody came in and looked at the space that they actually ended up kind of committing. So like from our, like the second that we worked that out, that changes how you think about your business completely because now you're going... Okay, so that means like that if this month, we might have loads of money in the bank this month, but if we're not doing a load of tours of the space this month, it kind of means in two months we're fucked. You know what I mean? Well, that's like I've seen nearly a thousand startups and Mm. the ones that send in their update that 
you sit down and you talk to them and they can talk to you about their financials, talk to you about how much the product costs, talk to you about how much they're going to sell it for and why, how much is it going to cost them to get it to their customer, where is their customer. And they're the guys that are, or girls that are going to be successful. Um, the people who say, yeah, we didn't get around to doing the financials this month, but everything's going great. They're not. Yeah. And and like we have a tool internally that we there's an automated email goes to every startup. They click on it and they f- complete them in our portal. And when they click complete, it generates a PDF that they can send to all their investors. So it does a little graph of their financials, uh, revenue, expenses and cash in the bank. And you can expand that or you can contract it um, for as long as you want. You can put in your budget and then what's going well, what's not going well and what do I need help with? Each of those come in. They're coming in every day. You can do it monthly or quarterly. And then we have a team of analysts who will collate the what do we need help with? And then if there's something that, okay, there's six startups. Everyone wants money, of course. But there's six startups that, you know, want help with whatever. Uh, You know, they want an introduction to a supplier in China or they want... um, A new CRM (coughs) system or something. Or or they want an accountant in New York or, okay, let's... Or, you know, they'd like to... Uh, a new banking relationship and you say okay let's let's uh, run an event for these people we have a community manager who actually manages this and we'll collate them and say okay these six or seven people are interested uh, let's do something for them and like we're essentially service providers okay we give uh, startups money uh, uh, we try and help them grow but like we're there to help them uh, we'll give them access to I th- we, we do a um, free perks thing uh, and I think last year we gave away over 10 million dollars worth of free perks that's like Amazon web credits um, uh, discounted accounting discounted um, lots there's there's in our founder portal there's hundreds of them uh, and there was over 10 million dollars redeemed last year and like we're we're we want to align we're investing at the earliest possible stage so we want to be there with them in the trenches as such and help them with things that we know and with money where we can and with introductions to other uh, investors where we can. And again, we curate that. We, we have a big database of other investors and it's okay. Um, you know, we're not going to introduce you. You're not ready for that. And we don't want to damage our relationship with this investor. So you, the, the startup has to do a lot of the work. It's why are you ready to be introduced to this investor? Uh, and if you're not, well, you're not going to get the introduction. Yeah. Um, and and like, it's 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 a two way street, and communication is is the most important thing. People like, there's lots of startups, uh, you know, go quiet for a couple of months, which is always a bad sign. And then there's the oh my god, I can't make payroll. You know, I need an emergency funding round, or, or you know, I need a loan or whatever. And and you're going okay, wait a sec. Now, when did you know about this? Yeah. Um. And and I don't know. Are we going to turn around this in, in such a short period of time or whatever like if if when things start to go wrong you sit down and and you communicate it with like we can actually try and help you to fix yeah. it uh, uh, if you don't uh, and it's a natural inclination to you know people don't want to talk about failure or failing uh, but that's part of being a startup I see so many startups things go wrong like yeah. you you know you see that drawing of the startup life what people assume it is which yeah. is the journey up the hill and the big pot the, of gold the trough of despair <laughs> and it's not it's a, it's a series yeah. of ups and downs and there's going to be lots of successes and there's going to be lots of failures yeah. and it's it's a journey and and you know 
hopefully it'll lead to success and, and lots of time it, it doesn't unfortunately yeah. and, and that's really just a fact of life it, you're hitting you're getting close to something now that, that I thought we might have a bit of a chat about and, and you know we mentioned earlier you know um, how you know it would be great to see more Irish companies kind of looking internationally and stuff like that I mean two things I'd love to uh, two questions I'd love to ask you is one like people do have to realise that you know there are you know you, I, I suppose I've noticed it really recently when I was involved in a few things where you have a, you know, especially when you're involved in, say, programs and, you know, you have 10 startups come in, you know, pitching these fabulous business plans and all that. And every one of them is, and we're going to go out and raise investment. And you're kind of going, but you're a hairdresser. You know what I mean? And And like you're pitching this amazing salon and all that sort of stuff. But like. Like there is, like the reality is, is that like venture capital is 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 only available really to a kind of a certain type of business, really, isn't it? Like, I mean, you know, there are like that's not discounting. Like, there, there. I always kind of say, look, I suppose in my head, I, I always refer to them as well. Look, there's there's kind of innovation driven businesses, and then there's chip shops, you know. And and Cork, we're lucky enough to have some of the best chip shops in the country. But <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean that. That doesn't necessarily mean that a chip shop can go out and, you know, raise venture capital like, well, if it wants the, to expand. The Blue Bottle Cafe in San Francisco yeah, has raised venture yeah, capital. But, but like the, the, and it looks like they're going to generate a return. Yeah. Um, and I think there's an Irish guy who owns that. There is indeed. But, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the venture capital isn't for everyone. And, and that's, and, and you know what? That's not a bad thing. No. Um, like I come from a, a, a family business that's grown organically and, and you know, having some, a board and all of that and yeah. you know the venture capitalists want to return yeah. uh, they're going to take part of your company in exchange for money uh, they're going to restrict a lot of what you can do as the CEO uh, they're probably going to set your salary they're going to stop you borrowing money from the bank they're going to put a lot of controls on your activities it really isn't for everyone like we can only invest into startups that are going to generate a high return it's high risk high return Lots of them fail, but we need the ones that succeed to really deliver extraordinary returns. Now, I have startups come talk to me and it's OK, I'm going to raise money and, you know, I, I'll be the biggest uh, uh, distributor in Sligo of this and I'm hoping to expand into Roscommon in due course. And you're going, OK, maybe this isn't for you. Yeah. Like we need people who are going to go international. We ran a, an accelerator, a small accelerator called Accelerator in, in Cork a number of years ago. Um, we had startups that wouldn't come from Dublin to Cork. You know, it's a bit far to travel. And you go, okay, maybe it's not for you. <laughs> yeah. um, I, you know, we, we need people to go to Shenzhen and, and then to go to San Francisco. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to be aiming to deliver a return. You know, we're in a returns business. Uh, um, people give us money expecting to get a return. We give it to startups. We need a return. We, you've got to align yourself with a venture capital fund. It's easy to learn about them. You could sign up to Quora, ask the VC. There's lots of information resources on venture funds and how they work. Um, like our funds are 10 year life cycles. We need to deliver returns within that period get back to our investors so that they can reinvest into us. It, it's, it, it only suits certain types of companies, yeah. uh, normally high growth companies, um, companies that are, are doing something very innovative. Um, in Ireland, there's a big leaning towards like lots of software. There is life sciences in, as well. Uh, um, there's lots of fintech companies. You know, software is attractive because people can scale relatively quickly uh, and with low cost and it can deliver big returns. Um, we're uh, uh, 
addressing hardware, which is hard, as yeah. people say, because uh, it takes a lot of capital. We think it's going to deliver a return. Life Sciences is beginning to deliver returns. We've had exits in, in, in the bio. Um, it's, it's not for everyone. You know, that doesn't mean you're a bad business. No, it's, it's, um, it's, I think it's... it's there's lots of different types of businesses. And yeah. maybe going to the bank and getting an overdraft exactly. is, is, is the way to run your business. Yeah. And you retain control. Like I, I was at a function this morning with, with you and, and there was um, one of the gentlemen were talking. He's a company down Little Island and he scaled it organically for 20 years. And now he's raising funding. Um, yeah. You know, there's different times. There's different challenges. People have different objectives. And if you are doing a startup and if there's more than one of you, which there should be, yeah. um, you know, you've got to align each other that we both want the same objective you know yeah, one absolutely. one person wanting to leave it to their family or their kids while the other person wants to float it on the Nasdaq and exit you know they're completely misaligned you've got to align together and say okay this is where we think this company is going to go and this is what we want to achieve with it now we can do it organically we can generate sales and we can reinvest and that's going to be a lot slower yeah. or we can raise funding. Now, yeah. raising funding is, is difficult uh, and you've got to, you know, have hit a number of milestones and you want to have hit a number of yeah. milestones so that you can build up a valuation in your company, which will enable you to access finance and also mean that you can retain a lot of the equity yeah. in your company yourself. But it, there's a lot of advantages to it because you'll get there quicker. You'll get into networks of people who can help you, people who have done it before. You'll get introductions to other investors. You'll get help with sales. You'll get people to advise you on your board. It's it's there's a lot of advantages to it as well, and and I've seen lots of people be very successful, you know, uh, uh, with organic companies, yep. uh, uh, and they've left it to their kids or they've exited or whatever. And there's people who've been successful raising funding, and there's people who failed in both yep. as well. And, and as you've said, the, the big trick really is, you know, I mean, I suppose the, the way I I always encourage people to think about it is, well, look, you know, if you're not spending your own money. You're spending somebody else's money and like whether it's the bank or whether it's an investor, an individual investor or whether it's a fund or something like that, you know, nobody is going to give you that money unless they're unless they know what your plan is in terms of them getting their return. Well, they you, know, want you, return. you don't walk into the bank and go, hello, you know, may I please take, you know, 10 grand out you know, the bank is entitled to ask you, okay, and, and how are you going to how are we going to get our ten grand back? And whether it's from an individual investor or from a fund or anything like that, it's no different. You know, they as as you said, they are entitled to know what your plan is to get the money back. And and I often think a lot of startups I, I just you know, these days they don't look at the they don't they don't take the time to sit down and I don't know, you, you could call it a fundraising strategy or whatever, you know. A lot of them seem to want to go Right, we'll, well, look, we'll do it once. You know, we'll go out, we'll raise 250k once and that'll that'll do us then. Not realising that, A, that's never going to do them. And B, as, as you mentioned earlier, it's that whole thing of, you know, you're better off, like, raising as little money as possible because the more money you raise when you have nothing, you know, the crappier the your valuation lose. is going yeah. to be, you know. I, I think, um, like, there's a certain coolness to yeah. raising money and you don't need to let's celebrate money. with a press release that says congratulations you've just mortgaged your startup for two but, but like you don't need it yeah. um like the more you can do it's a chicken and egg really no. like the more you can do with less obviously the more control you retain um the, the more you can build your business the less uh, um of it you need to give away um and 
I, I always encourage startups to kind of take a, a okay let's let's start at if this is very successful let's start at the end and work back to today yeah. and, and let's look at what what's going to enable us to get there and, and what is there now what there is, is you know never probably happens uh, there'll be lots of different things happen and there might become something else which doesn't mean it's not successful but like let's say okay we, we think this is this is what we're going to do and one of our more successful startups. I remember um, he came into me day one, sat down with the projections, and he was saying, "Okay, we're going to sell to Facebook uh, or Zynga in in uh, eight and a half years' time, and this is how we're going to do it. Uh, and we're going to build a relationship with them doing this. This is where we're, we, they raised half a million euro the first time I, we met them, and they raised two and a half million euros a couple of years later. And you know, there was a series of small steps all going towards the same goal, and it made things a lot easier to understand about the business. No, it didn't happen like that. They they sold game titles after to to somebody else, but like when he was able to sit down and actually logically take you through it, you could actually say, yeah, I could see this happening. Uh, and what are you going to spend the money on? I see I, people come into me with projections every day and they'll sit down and say, OK, we're going to, re- you know, we want, uh, um, it's like the, the guy in Austin Powers, you know, with a, a, a one million yeah. euro. But they'll come in and say they want um, X amount of euro and, and you say, OK, let's look at your projections. And it's, well, once we raise this, you know, we're going to have 50,000 euros in sales the following month. And you go, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. You know, how are you going to do that? Have you got people signed up? Have you orders? Have you a product? Oh, no, we've none of that. And you go, OK, maybe this isn't very realistic. Yeah. Let's look we, like we don't need you to do that in, in the first month. We need you to have a longer term strategy. And it's a series of small steps. What's going to get us to our next biggest milestone that's going to justify a higher valuation if we need to raise more money or what's going to get us to cash flow positive? Like there's there's a mindset, I guess, in San Francisco a bit that to be successful, you have to own the market uh, and you have to kind of create a monopoly. Like, I, I don't really buy into that. I, I think there there's room for lots of successful companies and getting successful. Um, it is just the accountant in me talking now that, you know, getting to cash flow positive, building a viable business that could you can see making a profit in the future and becoming successful, you know, growing into different markets, building a strong team, having lots of different skill sets on your team and showing that you can execute and that you can spend money properly, uh, that you're not going to waste money and that things that you spend are going to be aligned with your outcome. Um, we had a startup a couple of years ago that ended up having a big success and they ran out of money and I spent a, a week in their office uh, and, and sitting down talking to them, they had about 20 staff and you say, okay, what's what's this on the bank statement? And they're like, oh God, I thought we cancelled that. Did we not cancel that? And what's the sales projections here? They are, oh, they're no problem. And it's okay, we'll change your salaries to align more with these and you'll actually get much bigger salary if these happen. It's like, oh no, no, they won't happen at all. You know, and you're going, okay, let's be realistic and let's look at what can be achieved with the business. And what happened is, you know, we, we funded them kind of in, in tranches as they hit these milestones. And 10 months after we did the first tranche, the company sold. Uh, and, you know, the founder walked away a multimillionaire and, and all the staff did very well out of it through the stock option plans. And and it's, it's a series of small steps with just rational decisions being made and actually looking at, okay, what do we need to do to get to that stage? In, everyone is thinking that the end stage yeah. rather than the small steps that are going to get us there. And like we lost a startup last year. I spent uh, three weeks in San Francisco with them and 
I thought it was one of the most innovative products that I'd ever seen. They had like 40 employees. They raised uh, $16 million in funding. They had about $9 million in revenue. Uh, and the company failed really just through like mismanagement, which is so disappointing when it's 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 something that could be so successful. Yeah. And, and you're looking down, they have an order book full and it really is just pricing the product wrong and because they're looking at, okay, you know, if we sell a million units and you're going, how many units are you selling? Oh, we're selling 15,000. Okay, why don't we price it a bit better, mm. closer to actually breaking even uh, and we can begin to scale from there and, and let's look at, at growing uh, in a way that's sustainable, that we can actually use the money we have properly and if we need more money, we're in a great position to raise it because we've built credibility, we've shown we can run a business, we've shown we can manage all these people. Everyone is aligned and we're all going in the correct direction. Yeah. So I guess, you know, to finish up from from an Irish perspective then, as you said, you know, I mean, obviously all the programmes that you run are open to, to investments from all over the world. I mean, I assume the, the easiest thing to do, go onto the website, have a look at the programmes, you know, look at it that way. Yeah, uh, SOSV.com. Mm. Uh, every one of our accelerators is on there. We get about um, five or 6,000 applications a year and we accept about 150 startups. Yep. Uh, you'll get funding from in around $100,000 up to $300,000 at the accelerator stage. Uh, we follow on into about 30% of our accelerator graduates um, up to a check of about $3 million. So there is funding. Um, our companies uh, raised $800 million last year. So lots of them are raising funding subsequent to our accelerator programs. You'll be part of a thousand strong portfolio. Um, there's lots of, of um, advantages to being in the portfolio. Um, and the perks I mentioned, there's lots of staff. We'd, like We try our best to be service providers. Yeah. We try our best to help all our startups as best we can. Um, and, and hopefully we're succeeding. Yeah. Uh, um, but we would, as, as an Irish person, yeah. I would like to see more Irish startups going through our accelerator programs. Uh, we have 20 staff here in Cork. Um, we have two of our, our general partners live in Cork. Um, you know, it's a significant part of our operations and, and the more Irish startups uh, that will apply, the, the better. Well, hopefully, hopefully, you know, hopefully that will happen. Um, you know, I mean, the, the talent is here and, and usually I think, you know, a lot of Irish startups, they go to make life hard for themselves by not, you know, actually looking, sitting down and looking at the opportunities that are available to them. Like the one thing I always think is, you know, the, the Irish startup ecosystem like is nearly better internationally than it is locally to a certain degree, if you know what I mean. I mean, even outside yeah, of people Stripe like Stripe and, and yeah, and, uh, and you know Stripe, and Intercom, you know all these people that you know there is this incredible network of Irish people, Irish companies, Irish VCs around the world who you know they'll always have a grow for Ireland. And I mean, you know, if 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 they have a choice between a meeting with an Irish company and a meeting with a different company, like. They'll probably take the Irish company just so that they can sit and bitch about Michael O'Leary or something for a half an hour. Like All of our other GPs, when we go to meetings in China and, and in the US and I meet another Irish person, you know, we do the Irish dance, the where yeah. you're from and, yeah. and uh, do you know such a person in there and, and the Americans and the Chinese are going, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm going, well, it turned out I actually know them yeah. uh, or I know their sister and they're going what, what's that about and I said oh, it, it's a trust thing you yeah. know you establish a relationship and then you can kind of trust somebody because yeah. you know if they screw you over you'll tell their mum uh, and, and <laughs> while like 
it, it's 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 a great uh, yeah. for people Irish people who go abroad um, because there's there's a real willingness to help and a community sense of community while you know China has over a billion people uh, um, there's people who don't know who live in their building yeah. and and America is is huge uh, and there there isn't um, there isn't that sense of community amongst the country as yeah. such and it's it's a great advantage of being Irish uh, and it's something that I enjoy whenever I go abroad yeah. and I always meet somebody uh, um, and, and it's great and you, you'd always you know we want to help all our startups but like I'll always we had um, Intelligent Implants were here last yeah. week came over from Austin and Sweden and they were here for the day and, and, and you'd be you know you'd be going out of your way to, to help people always uh, and, and more Irish startups that come to our programs the better we have Irish staff in all our locations yeah. and, and we it's a big part of our organisation and I'd like like to make it bigger we have an actual Ireland fund uh, which is a fund we did with Enterprise Ireland uh, the investment period is just finishing right now I think we have about 30 startups in it there's about uh, 14 million euros of it invested there's 6 million euros left um, and, and you know that's going reasonably well it's, it's, it's hopefully going to be very successful um, but we don't have enough Irish startups applying to yeah. our accelerator programs, and and they're in verticals that I know Irish startups are in are good at, yeah. Um, but you're going to have to apply, and you're going to have to travel, yeah. Uh, and you're going to have to go to where the hotbeds of what you're doing are, uh, because that's going to make you get there quicker, yeah. And it's going to expose you to an international scene that you you can't access by staying in Ireland, yeah. Uh, and that's going to make you more successful. That's it's going to be hard. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But, you know, when you're in an accelerator environment, it's very supportive. It's a community uh, and, and people help each other. Um, so it's easier than going on your own. And the reality is people in these accelerators will all be, be friendly with the Irish gang because the Irish gang will always know where to go for a good pint. Like. <laughs> well, I was in Dalian last week and a fella brought me to an Irish bar, which was, I think, some guy's kitchen. Yeah. Um, but the the... It's they're, they're, no matter where you go in the world, you'll meet somebody else. Oh, you will absolutely. So, I always say it's one of the it's one of the best tapped, untapped resources when you go to Silicon Valley. Is you know, you're ringing everybody saying, "Come here, could I grab a quick cup of coffee with you?" And you know, so is the rest of the world. But you say to them, "Listen, you know, would you have ten minutes after work for a pint?" Pretty much every American on their bucket list is go for a pint with an Irish person and see what all the drama is about. And there's there's many coffees that I was turned down, but there's many you know, 6.30 in the evening pints, you know, that, that led to great uh, great relationships. And I don't even drink. Like, I just <laughs> go for the sake of it. Um, so, Stephen McCann, listen, thanks so much for your time today. Um, hopefully, as I said, continued success to, to SOSV. I mean, the last couple of years have been absolutely incredible for you, you know, and and, and I, I've no doubt that the, the bets that you've bet, made, especially with, with things like Rebel Bio and Indie Bio into, into that new biotechnology frontier where we're all going to be eating protein burgers and cell-grown meats and all this sort of stuff and um, will pay off for you. But um, continued success here in Cork too because the bigger you get in Cork, the better it works <laughs> for me as well. So uh, thanks for your time today, Stephen. Thank you. Thanks, you too. So um, we're coming to you today from the Republic of Work studios in Republic of Work, Cork City. This episode was produced by the ever-capable Jason Woodard and we look forward to talking to you on the next episode.